Wednesday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And it's a morning after a tough, tough loss in overtime for the Toronto Raptors as Jonesy, the Raptors go into Brooklyn and all hell is breaking loose around the nets. We found out yesterday leading into the game, four players entering health and safety protocols. Joining Paul Millsap, so five players total, and then what, about an hour before game time, roughly? Two more, Bruce Brown and James Harden, seven players in health and safety protocols for the Nets. There was a lot of rumblings and speculation as to whether the game would even tip off for two reasons, I think. One, would the Nets ultimately have enough healthy players because Kevin Durant's status was in question going into last night with the ankle injury? And would he be able to even play? But then also, would the league step in? Should the league step in and not even have this game go off considering the way that COVID seemingly was apparently running rampant through the nets to the point where they lost basically half the roster? And would you be putting the Raptors, let alone other nets, in harm's way by having them on the floor last night and the cross-contamination exposure and everything else? Well, the game went off. Durant played. Durant had a triple-double. He was magnificent. The Raptors tried to go punch for punch, and they lose by two. They had a chance at the buzzer. Scotty Barnes, unfortunately, his three-ball wasn't good from about center court. And Toronto loses to a Nets team that had only eight players, and they had dudes that played last night that had only played like 30, 40 minutes, minutes the entire season, and turned in career performances and this one, I'm sure, had to sting for Toronto after the ball game last night. Well, I'm, I'm sure it stings, Eric, but this is the NBA. And there, uh, I say it all the time. There are no scrubs in the NBA. People say, oh, mm-hmm. you know, like they, oh, so-and-so, what is he? He's a bench warmer. He's a 12th guy. Hey, man, he could come to your pickup game and kick butt. He could come to your pickup game and drop 50 on every guy if he's in the NBA. So, um, yeah, Kessler Edwards and Dayron Sharp and these, yeah, who are they? They're guys hungry, waiting for their chance to play, man. I practice every day against Kevin Durant. <laughs> I know my first couple of years when I was on the team and I sat on the bench, I used to tease. I was what I was what was making the team better. I'm the guy that the team practices against. That's why they're so good. And I couldn't wait for my shot. And these guys are the same way. So they get in there, and, man, they are kicking tail. They are hauling butt. And right now, Steve Nash is going, you know what? I think I could play Kessler Edwards more. I, I, I think I could play Cam Thomas more. Like, these guys are ready. And that's, I mean, I've made the comment about Malachi Flynn in the same way. That's what being professional is. Okay, no shot but yet, but... I'm waiting, man. I'm waiting. And when my shot comes, I'm knocking that thing out of the park. So it, it's got to sting, uh, in a sense, for Toronto because these guys aren't household names. But the other thing is they got this generational dude named Kevin Durant. And I'm telling you, he could take me, you, Lance, and Boffel, and we'd go into a game and we got a chance to win. Like it just the way it is when you have a guy that's that good. Triple-double. And I, uh, people have no idea if you have not played or don't really understand the game, how hard 
some of the stuff that he does is and how easy he makes it look for a guy at that size. No guy at that size is supposed to be able to handle the ball, move like that. I mean, he 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 dribbling people down to the baseline and taking pull-up 10-footers and 12-footers, and they know it's coming. They know it's coming. He's using them like a practice dummy, like a workout guy. Okay, what are we going to work on? All right, 15-footers or 12-footers, short corner, right side, off the dribble, coming down the wing. All right? And you're, you're, you're the workout guy. You know it's coming, and you're trying to block it, and you can't. You can't you're trying to distract it, and you can't. So a, a generational player. That being said, the Raptors had opportunities. They had opportunities to win that thing. and Multiple, uh, multiple yeah, opportunities. Yeah, it yeah. Got, some, some of it got away from them. Some of it got away from them. But um, it was a terrific game, entertaining game. If you're an NBA fan, uh, that's the kind of game you want to see. So uh, with your team coming out on top, of course. You know, Jonesy, I, I think to, to your point about opportunities, and, and I kind of <laughs> emphasize multiple, I mean, the, the the Raptors blow the doors off in the third quarter, and then as the Nets have been doing of late, suddenly, I don't know how or why, they find another gear, you know, fully healthy or undermanned, they find another gear in the fourth quarter. You look at their numbers, their fourth quarter defense, especially over the last week or two, has been incredible. They've been regularly holding opponents under 20 points, under 15 points a couple of times even, and they were doing it to the Raptors last night after giving up 44-plus last night to the Raptors. And Toronto shot 73% in the third quarter last night and had 20 points in the paint. They were just hammering, hammering Brooklyn. And then it's like the, the, the break came between the third and the fourth, and the door was slammed shut. It was all Brooklyn until the last four minutes or so of the game. Toronto held Brooklyn scoreless, I believe, for over four minutes. At one point I looked down, and it was 325 that they had held Brooklyn scoreless. The Raptors were on a 9-0 run to take the lead, and it was 325, and I think there was about 45 seconds left. And then when, when, when Patty Mills hit that three, right as the shot clock was about to expire, so Toronto plays 23, 22 seconds of great defense and then gives up that three to Mills, who was also incredible last night. As much as we talk about KD, Patty Mills was hitting shot after shot after shot last night. That was the first bucket that the Nets had, I believe, in about four minutes. So it looked like Toronto was going to close it out. Then you go into overtime, and man, you think you think about the shot that Scotty had at the very end that was close. I'm shocked that Brooklyn even let him get it off, that they didn't try and stop the ball. Uh, you know, it took four guys at the last second just kind of converging, but Scotty got a pretty clean look. You know, we can sit here on Monday morning quarterback. Again, the decision-making or the shot-making of Fred, who I know had a big triple and had a, a, a magnificent game overall otherwise, but some of his looks there in overtime, Siakam missing a, a, a layup, and, and he was playing so well last night but struggled down the stretch. You know, even Barnes had that play where he, what, tipped it up three times at the rim, right under the rim, and couldn't get it to go three separate times. There were so many missed opportunities for Toronto that that was, you know, you said to me yesterday about the Cleveland game, the Detroit game, the Oklahoma City game. I'm adding that one to the list now, too, when you play the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Now there's at least four that we're talking about, and I'm adding that one onto my list. Um, uh, chances missed, you know, uh, mm -hmm. chances missed. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's the difference. It's, there's such a fine line. Uh, such a fine line in the NBA. And um, the Raptors are still a team learning how to win those games. And because I think they're, 
um, depending on some young people. Um, you know, they're still undermanned. You know, they're still playing without um, basically two and a half or three starters. If you look at Birch or Achua, and then and then Ananobi. Um, so it's it's tough. It's tough, but you got you got to find a way to to cobble it together. And you know, we always talk about that that pull yourself up and then and then push gets get pushed back down. Could have been at five hundred last night. You don't. You slip two below, and now you got Golden State coming. Um, and and uh, you know the, the Chicago game is postponed, but it was a terrific game last night. I will give it that for the entertainment value. But if you're a Raptor fan, there are little things that that you want to see done. Um, and I, you know what? I'd love to get a few minutes and, and get the ear of of Adrian Griffin, um, the guy who's responsible for the defense. Uh, just in terms of the philosophy, the, I think the Raptors are a pretty solid defensive team. Um, you know, that shot you talk about, Patty Mills, uh, Chris Boucher had a flyby on that one. Mm-hmm. You know Mills is going to shoot that. You come running out. Chris Boucher is a guy that um, I think in my eyes, he leads the league in unexpected block shots, particularly in brackets, particularly from three. Like, guys don't see him coming. His length and athleticism gets, and his quickness gets him out there to get a, get a piece of the shot, get a tip on the shot. Um, and even if he's coming and he's under control, it makes, I mean, Patty Mills is an elite shooter, but it makes other people think. I remember seeing a stat from a um, guy we just had on the show a while back, Avery Johnson, in, in 2000. And, Six with the Cowboys, with the Cowboys, with the Dallas Mavericks, in Dallas in their practice facility, and he had all these placards and banners up, and and one of them said, um, you know, you know, in that era, holding a team forty-two percent or below, you win eighty eighty plus percent of the time, and there was another one that said, um, contested shots might go in, but open shots will kill us. And there was a flyby there. And again, I'm not faulting Chris. Instinct goes off. You run out. Good shooter has the ball. But Mills, I mean, again, that was like a drill for him. Shot fake, one dribble, sidestep, you know, set your feet, get your balance, jump stop, and then boom, knock it down. Like that, that's the stuff that guys do in the gym or in pregame every day by themselves. So, I mean, to me... The, the idea of running guys off the line has become a, a, a big concept in the NBA. I prefer to come and close out. And even if you if you don't get close enough, some coaches like close out to touch. If you don't get that close, but you're you're chopping your steps and you're in a stance and you're coming out at a guy, and he looks like he's going to raise up, then you might be eight feet away. Jump, put your hand up, contest, but. You know, the flyby, um, and again, I'm not faulting Chris. I see it all over the league. The flyby is something that guys do in drills. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to shot fake, get the flyby, create space, escape dribble, sidestep, and then boom, knock down my shot. So for Patty Mills, that was a drill. That was something he'd done in the gym, you know, 
you know, what's Malcolm Gladwell's line? 10,000 repetitions. Like he's done that for sure. So, yeah, but just I just chalk it up to missed opportunities, Eric, for, for, for the Raptors. Well, here's, here's the silver lining if there is one to be found because there were some fine performances. Clearly, for the first time since I believe it was February of 2020, the Raptors with four players going for 20-plus. Van Vliet had 31. Trent had 25. Siakam had 25. And Scotty Barnes with 23. Now, here's my silver lining. And let's be clear, folks. I am not yet putting him in the conversation. And when I say yet, it probably won't be for years. And it may never come. Not putting him in the same conversation with one of the greatest of all time in Kevin Durant. But Scotty Barnes not only had 23 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, on 7 of 13, 3 of 5 from distance, started 3 of 3. And most importantly, looked every bit the part of a emerging superstar go-to guy who went at Kevin Durant time and time again and never backed down, never shied away on either end of the floor. But Jonesy, especially on offense, man, he was aggressive and decisive and effective. And I was bug-eyed a couple of times thinking, I was not expecting that. And he, I, I, man, I, I'm going to put the broken record on every day. He does at least one, if not three or five things every game that makes me sit up a little bit higher in my seat. And you have got to be salivating if you're a Raptors fan and if you're in the Raptors organization with what this kid is doing. He is going to be a megastar. He's going to be a monster. He's going to be a monster. Uh, The guy he played against last night looks like the measuring stick. And Eric, what do I always say about a guy who's a great offensive player? How do you how do you how do you take the steam out of him? You go at him at the on the defensive end, make him work. And Scotty has the um, you know the size, the length, the ability, the skill to do that. What I'm impressed with is okay, he's 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 knocking down threes now, but his acumen for the game. And his understanding of the game. Oh, I got a little guy on me? Come on here. Come on here, small man. Let's get into the lane here about 10 feet and around the broken circle here. And let me drop some stuff down. I'm not going to settle for something that's like 16, 18 feet. I'm not going to settle for something that you can contest or when I'm collecting the ball, you might be able to knock it away. Oh, hell no. We're going to back you down into the lane and punish you. And that's the kind of stuff he does. I mean, he was he was doing that with Durant at times, and um, he's not afraid. He loves to compete, and those are things that, when everybody looks at skill, when everybody looks at skill, look at the combination of skill and will. How much does this guy want it? How hard is he willing to play, and what is he what is he willing to do to win? And that's where I think some people. Um, you know, even some of the scouts that are revered, people that do this for a living, sometimes they miss that. You got to look. I mean, I'll tell you, you got to look in a guy's eyes. You know, when you when you see him square up on somebody, look in his eyes, man. It'll tell you. Does this guy want this? How hard he's willing to play? Uh, is 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 he 
is he brave enough? Is he does he have the the gumption to want to make big plays? Does he shy away from the moment? You know, one of our colleagues uses the the, the phrase stage presence. Man, you wrap all that up into one, and Scotty Barnes has it. He he's got it, and the kid's not afraid. He's he's doing this, and he's what, thirty games in, and he hasn't really learned everything about the league. This kid, if he keeps going on this trail, he is going to be a monster. Let's hear from Nick Nurse after the ball game last night talking about Scotty Barnes and that matchup with Kevin Durant. Well, I think when he gets into those areas, he's just got, uh, you know, he's really got some great uh, length, right? And I know Durant's, Durant's a really good defender and really long himself, right? Um, but I think he's you know, he's got some of that herky-jerky head fake turnaround. You know, I don't, I'm not sure he realized who was who was guarding him. He was just into his into his good spot and into his good move, and and just finished him off. Yeah, he 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 finished him off a couple of times, and 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 I love that that pet move is becoming a go-to for him, Jonesy, when he gets into the lane, Scotty, and he's got that length, he's got that reach, and he's finishing with those little soft one-hand floaters, those little baby hooks from time to time. He is outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, yeah, he has been. He, his uh, his offensive game, offensive development, all the stuff that people worried about. Well, you know, he doesn't shoot it well. You know, he drafted out of Florida State. He, this percentage and that percentage. Hey, man. Again, I said it on draft night, and people uh, people made inferences that I was throwing, uh, you know, shade, as the kids would say, at, at Jalen Suggs when I said, "Give me a defensive player, and I'll turn him into a complete player." Before a guy who's all offense, that was not to imply that Suggs was all offense. He's a good player. He's he's tough, but Scotty's taller, and you see what he has. I'll work on the shooting. I'll work on the offensive stuff, you know. And and Scotty looks like the kind of kid now that, you know, success is fueling success. Get into the gym, uh, working on it. You can see the work. You can see what's going into it, and the results that are coming out. Uh, so Scotty Barnes again last night, twenty three points, twelve rebounds, five assists in the ball game. Kevin Durant with the triple double, thirty four points, thirteen rebounds, eleven assists. The Nets beating the Raptors by two in overtime. There was another big game in New York last night, and oh yeah, history was set. We're going to get to that in a minute, but Jonesy, I want to circle back just for a moment here uh, and hear from both Steve Nash and uh, Nick Nurse on the subject that we were discussing off the top: the fact that seven players for the Brooklyn Nets. We're out with health and safety protocols. I, I got to admit, and you can, you know, if you're listening right now, you want to, you know, throw whatever jabs at me, feel free, go right ahead. But I think it's a natural human reaction for most people. I was thinking last night, if I'm a player, I would have had concerns about suiting up. And maybe I'm a hypochondriac, germaphobe, ner- neurotic, whatever, nervous Nelly. But man, if I'm a member of the Raptors, Jonesy, and I'm sitting there in Brooklyn, and I find out that seven players on the opposite team are out with COVID, and I'm now going to go out on the floor and play against the remaining eight. I'm not saying I wouldn't have played, but I'd be leery and hesitant, and I'd be worried about it. And by the time the ball goes up, I can't think about it. i got to focus on the game. But 
my fingers are crossed, and I'm knocking on wood for every single Raptor that was in that ball game last night, for the coaching staff, for anybody in attendance as well, if that virus was flying around last night inside that building. And I hope that everybody stays safe, everybody stays healthy. Here's Steve Nash pregame talking about the issues swirling around the nets with COVID going into last night's game. It's, what is it? It's the new normal, but it's scary, you know, because I don't know, I don't know that there's an end in sight. This is kind of the world we may live in for, you know, indefinitely. We, we've all been affected by this. You know, I've lost family members. Um, you know, the the day-to-day life, even if you haven't lost people, is is has changed and, and may not go back to what it was for, for, like I said, indefinitely. So, you know, just concerned for the approach to the unknown. You know, there's so much unknown and approaching that becomes very difficult when it's unknown. And um, so I just hope that we can continue to find commonality with the approach and protect as many people as possible and, and put health and safety, you know, as, as high as we possibly can without people, you know, completely losing their mental health or, or productivity or whatever it may be. And that's a tough balance to find. You know, I, I love that answer, Jonesy, from Steve Nash because of just the honesty that I felt was there, especially when you factor in. Um, we're talking about a guy that's not just a multimillionaire and a former player and a former MVP and a head coach of a super team and, a, you know, still one of the stars and faces of the game. Wipe all that away. He's a dad. Yeah. Got kids, right? And that's what we're all going through right now, what we've all been going through. Every single person listening right now, you either have a kid know a kid or with due respect to the kids wipe them aside for a second you yourself are either dealing with or know somebody that's dealing with mental health stress anxiety etc we've all been beaten down for damn near two years now and i thought steve hit on it perfectly in terms of just trying to find that balance but it's harder to do especially of late when you think you're kind of at the tail end and then boom, another variant comes along and, and kicks you back. And I, I don't know how many people I've heard say to me or tweet about or talk about in, in the last few days that this almost feels like March of 2020 again. It's, you it know, does. There was so much positivity, and now it seems like we've been kicked back, not just one peg, but about 14 pegs. Yeah. Um, you know, you're uh, you're at the stage, at least I am, where I am treating it like March 2020 you know being vaccinated booster and all or not it's just you just you don't know it's the it's the unknown again and um you know i asked mark spears about it yesterday somewhere deep in the bowels of the league office in new york they've got some kind of contingency plan don't think this is just you know they're haphazardly going at this uh you know and blithely trying to figure it out like oh yeah maybe we'll do this maybe we'll do that i'm you know it was like in march of 2020 um, you know, people from the league office told me that Sunday when we were in Sacramento, listen, if one NBA player gets this, and this was at a time when we didn't know anything about it, if one NBA player gets this, we're shutting it down. And th- what was it? Two days later, one NBA player got it, and the whole thing was shut down. So I'm sure they've got contingency plans. So if you are a player... Uh, knowing that the NBA acts with the highest precautions, 
hey, if they say, if they say it's okay, now nothing's 100%, but if they think it's okay to go out there and play the game and you're okay with that, go ahead. If you're not, I would never fault ever, ever fault a guy for opting out for safety. Never. Mm-hmm. The same way when a guy says he's injured and, you know, some fans, oh, he's soft. You, Hey, man, guy knows his body more than anyone else. If he says he can't go, he can't go. Sit down and move to the next person. Um, on the topic you were just discussing there and the possibility, the possibility of maybe things getting shut down, and I think it is a possibility. And I, I, I think, you know, when you look at the way things are going in the National Hockey League as well, the NFL, I think all the sports leagues right now, professional sports, need to be looking at, all right, how do we navigate through it? And I think the thing is nobody knows right now. I mean, even listening yesterday to, to the you know, top doctor in, in Ontario, there's a lot of data, but it's still fairly new. So we're all trying to duck and dodge and navigate, and we think that this variant may be much, much, much more highly contagious, but less severe, and you might only feel kind of crappy for a few days, et cetera. But that's, of course, if you're vaccinated, et cetera. I mean, we're still trying to gather all the data. We're going to get an update here in Ontario, at least, for those that are listening in Ontario, uh, from the Premier, I believe, today. And we're led to believe that the Prime Minister, it's 2 o'clock today, 2 o'clock today, Eastern Time on Wednesday, that uh, the Premier is supposed to speak. The Prime Minister is gathering with all the Premiers across the country to try and discuss things. And the regular weekly update from from, uh, Kieran Moore is supposed to come tomorrow, and we're led to believe that things could change by Friday. So is that going to impact Scotiabank Arena, the Raptors, the Leafs? Is it going to impact all of us for travel or not? Or are things going to stay the same? What about kids in school? I mean, it's all kind of a, a, a moving target right now. And Nick Nurse yesterday was asked um, if there had been discussion that perhaps last night's game might have even been postponed. Again, I think that, um, you know, we we trust, you know, that people are holding the game and we're – here to do our jobs and all that stuff. And again, just, just, you know, do it, do it the best we can and, and um, go from there and cross our fingers, hope they get no more positive tests and, and hope we don't either. And that's, that's the hope right now. Certainly the hope as the Raptors uh, face the nets without seven players due to uh, COVID protocols and they come back home. And of course the Raptors will be tested. I believe still being tested daily. They would have been getting set for a game tomorrow against the Chicago Bulls. That game already has been postponed because of the outbreak on the Chicago Bulls roster. Uh, so the Raptors' next game scheduled to be on Saturday against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Jonesy, Steph kind of put on a bit of a show last night as he set the all-time record for three-point uh, shots made and did it early on the biggest stage at MSG. And I'll tell you, I immediately thought back, and you can speak to this even better than me, because I, I even watched last night. I was going to post the link, and I might still do it today, or you should probably do it. But I, I got caught on YouTube last night looking at some old Steph stuff, and I remember the commercial that the Golden State Warriors aired a couple of years ago where they were able, able to edit and manipulate the old footage of Steph. And you see in the background on the, the, the seat covers on all the chairs that were courtside, Fan 590, in this Golden State Warriors commercial, this NBA commercial, where Steph is... You know, beside his dad, Dell, shooting threes at then Air Canada Center. And they've got, you know, the the footage edited with the young Golden State fan saying, Hey, Steph, you're going to be one of the greatest shooters in the game one day. You're going to be one of the best. I'm going to be like you. I thought it was a fantastic commercial. But as I found that on YouTube, it brought me back to um, 
your old show that you had way back in the day on then Raptors TV where you and your black and red and white tracksuit, a little bit of hair on the Jones head, chatting with Dale Curry and his entire family, and there's young Steph and young Seth, and they're playing one-on-one at the Raptors' old practice facility that still exists inside Air Canada Center, Scotiabank Arena. Man, it, it brought me back, and just to see that, you know, to think back to how we've seen this kid literally grow in front of our eyes to now the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. Yeah, and you know the funny thing was, Eric, I, I distinctly remember that that interview, and both Steph and Seth said, "Oh yeah, we're the, like they, their expectation was that they would play in the league one day," and it, and it comes from growing up around the game and 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 being around the old man and just you know the the stories that Dell would tell me about. The guys would, they would play up there. The game would start and they'd stay up there and shoot and play one-on-one and do all that. And then they would come down around the middle of the third quarter shower and and walk out and get to their seats to watch, as, as Dell says, watch Vince in the fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not, uh, uh, it's, it's. It's not far-fetched that both the Curry boys would be uh, in the NBA. And, you know, Steph happened to land in a great spot uh, before his brother did. Uh, even though Seth, you know, went to a bigger-name school and was maybe more highly recruited, uh, you know, it's all about where you go and when you get there. And uh, it's really worked out for Steph Curry. All right, let's hear from Steph after the ball game. We're going to do something special for the folks, uh, maybe at the top of the hour or, or at some point during the show. We're going to list our top five favorite shooters. I don't know if it's best, but favorite shooters in NBA history. We're going to list that at some point. And maybe we can, uh, we're going to have, like, later on in the show as well, Alvin Williams joining us for Alvin Williams Wednesdays. We've got a great shooter coming up as well in Tracy Murray plus Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated. Lots of hoops on the show today. We're going to list our top five shooters. Uh, so we'll, we're going to put that on hold. That's a little tease for you right now, folks. But let's hear from the best, Steph Curry, after the ball game last night when he breaks the three-point record at MSG. Bad, and your mom, uh, the one that hit me was... You get subbed out and you go over and hug your mom. What was that moment like for you? I mean, they've been a part of the whole journey. Um, it's kind of crazy to think growing up around the league, watching my dad play, uh, my family, you know, going to old Hornet games and, you know, having big dreams about, you know, shooting the basketball and, and one day hopefully playing on this level. Um, to, to do it here at Madison Square Garden in front of, you know, <laughs> this guy right here. Hey, I need that. I need that. Uh, and Reggie and just all that basketball means to me. Um, it's special. So I had the, uh, you know, great support here. This this arena was, uh, I, I can't express how much of uh, an honor that was for the reaction here on the road and uh, the appreciation for this milestone. And, and obviously it's great to get the win uh, on top of that. So uh, a very, very, very special night. And that, of course, was the voice of Ernie Johnson off the front there that was asking Steph the question. And, uh, and, and you know, I know Lance just yelled in my headset as well, and, and, and I was thinking the same thing, Jonesy, based on everything we were just talking about prior to the clip. No shout-out for the Raptors. Uh, that's too bad, but at the same time, the love for the game and when he would have first started watching his dad, Dell play was in Charlotte. And you can even find some old YouTube videos as well of Burger King commercials 
that Dell shot when he was a member of the Hornets with Seth and Steph as well, and with Steph with a few speaking lines in those old BK commercials as well. So yeah. if you go on a deep dive on YouTube, you can find some of that stuff. But it's it's just fantastic to see. And the crazy thing is, I don't even know when the dude's going to hang him up. He set the record now, and to me, he's got, what, three, five, seven more years? I mean, he the way he's playing right now, the way he looks right now, why wouldn't he continue to play? And why wouldn't you think he can continue to play for quite some time? He's at the peak now. You know, it used to be uh, back in the day a four-year college player coming out, um, you know, that got drafted. And, 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 and by the way, uh, for those of you youngins, look it up. The draft used to be 10 rounds, 10 rounds. And it got to be a bit of a joke because guys were drafting their doctors and general managers were drafting their <laughs> friends out of. I might have you know, had a shot. Yeah, there was one year a guy who was a, like a, a medical student at Philadelphia Textile or something got drafted by his buddy who was a GM. Like it just it just became a little bit of a joke. And not that you couldn't find a guy who was good in the seventh or eighth round because look at how many guys are found undrafted now and, and the, the way the scope of the game has opened up internationally. But, um, yeah, it's that, 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 that part of it has changed and, and – uh, uh, there, there are, there are tons of players out there. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting. E, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to hear your, your list of your, your top five shooters. Uh, I wonder if we're going to overlap. I'm sure we will on one or two. I think there's going to be more than one or two, but we'll we'll find out. That's a little tease. Maybe we can even ask Alvin for his, and and then we'll reveal ours later on as well. Alvin Williams will join us next on Smith and Jones. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Raptors' next game coming up on Saturday against the Golden State Warriors. Tomorrow's game against the Chicago Bulls postponed. Raptors coming off the loss last night in Brooklyn to the Nets. And to talk about that game and more, joining us for his regular visit, Alvin Williams Wednesdays with Alvin Williams. Al, good to talk to you. What's up, guys? How are you? All good, Al. All good. Hey Al, we we I know I know Lance and and uh, Mark might have already mentioned this to you, but we're gonna get you. Uh, just keep those wheels spinning over the course of the conversation. I want to ask you about your top shooters of all time, but I'll let you think about it while you're answering some questions. So I won't hit you right out of the gate with that. As Steph put on the show last night at MSG, he set the all-time three-point record uh, at Madison Square Garden. We'll discuss that a little bit later, Al. But your impressions on last night's game and one of the things that stood out for us. Uh, and we were discussing a little bit earlier, in spite of the loss, and it was a tough one, no doubt, Scotty Barnes continues to just uh, turn heads on an almost nightly basis. I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a special player, special young player. I mean, we've been talking about him since we've all seen him, right? I, I, I know me personally, I didn't get to see him play in college. I just got a lot of feedback from his coaches and some people that knew him in the AAU world. But, you know, when, when you see a player like that, that young, first of all, he loves the game and he has that energy level and that, that passion to play the game because there's a lot of young players, whether people believe it or not, do not truly love to play basketball. They love what the game will bring to them or they love the opportunities, but they don't love the game of basketball. And I think Scotty showed that right from the beginning. 
I think his teammates expressed the fact that they appreciated that. And then you get to the skill level, which the skill level is off the charts because he's a facilitator at heart. He's a facilitator at heart. He likes to get his teammates involved. And then everything else comes. He can handle the basketball. He can finish the basketball. People are seeing his shooting now. So his whole game is starting to, you know, just continue to grow. And then the league is taking notice. And when you have players like KD, you know, stamping them, giving them a stamp of approval and just backing them, it's just going to bring more confidence to him. And, and, and you know, the sky's the limit for that young fellow. Uh, Al, you know, it's funny you, you talk about that. I the sky's the limit. I mean, you know, when a guy comes into the league after, you know, one year of one year of college, as I always say, a year removed from being at the prom and, and, and walking <laughs> across the stage in high school, he's playing and I'm not going to say he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's doing it with a whole uh, a whole lot of uh, vim and vigor and not a whole lot of experience. And I just I said to Eric, uh, I mean, the measuring stick for him could be a guy like Kevin Durant. I mean, Scotty's doing all this, and he he's just learning how to play, as you said. He's just kind of scratching the surface. Yeah, scratching it. And and when you get to the point where the thing that's fortunate that you know you could be a young player, you can go to a bad organization or a bad franchise, and they don't have the leadership there. They don't have you know the cachet of winning. They don't have the tradition or whatever the case may be, or they have poor tradition. That can affect the player tremendously in their development. I think Scotty's in a great place where he can develop as a player, as a young man, as a professional. There's so many things that you can look at the Toronto Raptors from the president of the franchise and his initiatives. You see the Giants of Africa. You see the initiative of leadership. You see the ownership. You see young. You see the players that are there in the locker room. You see a lot of things that can open your eyes, that can help you in development overall as a, as a young man, as a human being. So that piece is there. And then the game, you know, the Raptors have a great reputation of developing players and those things. And you have a coach that thinks outside the box. It's not a traditional, you know, X's and O's coach, to say to, to, say to speak, right, so to speak. So it, it's those things that Scotty can really have. It's a lot of benefits there for Scotty to continue to grow and whether it's with the Raptors and I'm not putting anything out there because you know the league you can you can be one you can be here today and gone tomorrow but he can always take his skill set and and everything that he's learning and that value and, and place it in any situation that's going to help him be that much of a better player and a better person speaking with Alvin Williams Al at this point you know all the chatter about about Scotty that that we've had not just today but on so many other shows and when you think about the, the the growth that he still has to do physically, let alone in in the game, um, it's just it's it's mind-boggling to think how good this guy could actually be. And when I tie all that in, let me ask you: based on how this season is going, and they they had a chance to hit 500 last night, and now they're kicked back two below. It's going to be like this. They're going to hover around that 500 mark probably for this season. We all kind of thought that. Do you start kind of feeding him more? And, and push in the progress, or do you let it happen naturally, organically? And part of the reason I bring that up is, hey, man, this is sports radio. This is Monday morning quarterback, the second guessing of coaches and plays and everything else. 
Would you like to see Scotty getting some more touches in crunch time? Would you like to see him with a chance to maybe win a game or take that shot? Like, I know he had a heave at the buzzer, but I'm talking about, you know, fourth quarter. Do you want to see Fred and Pascal giving it up a little bit? Like, how do you look at him in terms of how he progresses as a guy that could be very easily emerging as your franchise guy? Nope. I keep him right where he is because you still have young players that the Raptors have committed to and Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet and OG, and they still have a lot of growth, right? They still have a lot of things to do and get to where they want. This, this is their first and second year of being, you know, being in this position, you know, being the con- with the contract and having the responsibility. So they still have to grow. As you see, Pascal Siakam, he's growing into a better player. He's being a better facilitator. He's getting back in rhythm. I think he and Scotty Barnes are playing well together. I think Scotty is fitting in, and he's finally getting comfortable with, you know, trying not to step on people's toes, but still finding his rhythm. And you're watching Scotty, not only he's making the threes, it's the reason why three-point shots are, you know, being attempted. Nick Nurse and asked him for that. He's learning how to space out. He's learning how to, you know, put himself in position to be an outlet, catch and shoot, catch and drive, and figuring all these things out. So although the ball may not be in his hands as much, he's learning the game at a rate that, you know, you want a young person to be involved. He's in, he's in critical games. He's guarding every position on the point guard from Kevin Durant to Sabone. I've watched him. So he's growing as a player um, overnight. So you just want to continue that process. He has to earn to get the ball in his hands at the end of the game. He has to earn those minutes. He has to earn situations. So I think they're doing a great job of developing them and bring them along through the process. Al, how do you explain, and this is something that I, I've been trying to figure out, how do you explain a guy that age with a deep understanding of the game? Like we, we have seen this year multiple times on numerous occasions where they need a bucket and he's got the ball and he doesn't settle. Like, that's an old-school mentality. He will back a small – I've talked about it before. He'll back a smaller player into the lane and go jump hook or go, you know, dream shake, baby fall away, or up and under, or drop step, finish with the left hand. Like, how, how does a guy who's that young have that deep understanding of the game? And he doesn't have the full scope of the experience, but he, he just knows when – to make the right play, when, like the, the right pass, seeing stuff. And is that is that intuitive? Has he played? Because kids don't do this anymore. Has he played at the mm-hmm. park a lot? Because kids don't do that anymore. Everything's organized. Right. It's a workout. It's, you know, we used to go to the park and play, and, and that's where you figure stuff out. And guys say stuff to you like, man, why did you pass to him? You had that guy over there. That's where you kind of figure it out. So... Give me your best guess as to where this might be coming from with this kid. Well, I would attribute it to a few things. Um, coaching. You got you had the great Leonard Hamilton in Florida State. I don't know who his high school coach and his you know youth league coaches, but coaching early on definitely him being put in a position to to know these things. And then you got to give it to Scotty, being able to listen and being able to retain that information and then executing it. And then you go to the next phase when you go to the league. And if you get to that point, the coaches, they recognize this is the player you are and allow you to go out there and give you the opportunity to do it. 
right, to learn on a job, to learn on the fly. And those things, that experience right there will help you along with the teaching. So you got to give Scotty the credit because, you know, a lot of young kids, as you mentioned, they're not going out there the way we did. They have their own way of developing, you know, which is different than we came up. But they, um, he, he's listening. It's obvious he listened. It's like, a, it's like a LeBron James. How the heck did LeBron James become the player he, he became and the person he became, right? Because you got to learn that from somewhere. Who was, in the, who was in your life helping you with that? So I got to give it to his young coaches, his coaches as a, as a youngster, and then his ability to retain information and go out there and listen and truly take it to heart and try to execute it. And then once again, the last thing, he's getting an opportunity on the elite or the highest of the highest stage you know, in the NBA. So it's, 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 a, it's a definitely a, a combination of different pieces as where he is, where he is today. You know, that might be a perfect way to transition over to, you know, some talk about Steph Curry uh, having those coaches and having those influences and, and maybe none better than having a dad and one of the great shooters in history and Dale Curry to teach you from a young age. Uh, Al, we've got a few minutes left to chat with you here, so we'll move the Raptor stuff aside for a second. With Steph setting the history last night, we teased it. I'm putting you on the spot now. Steph, I assume, is at the top of your list, my list, Jonesy's list, everybody's list. Um, best shooters in the game, in history. And Al. maybe, Al, and maybe even move beyond stats. Guys that you've played with, played against, some of your best slash favorite shooters ever. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't do the stats, man. I don't, I don't do the stats, but you got to go with Steph Curry and I, that I play with, his dad, Del Curry. I watched Del Curry just come off the bench for not playing for two weeks and, you know, put us in game. I suck. Game seven against the Sixers, right? In Fourth quarter. When he came in, he, he was just one of those guys. When you talk about a shooter, it's not somebody that needs to be in rhythm and that somebody that can wake up out of their sleep and shoot. I remember Del being in Milwaukee, but you got Chris Mullen. You got Clay Thompson. Uh, you got uh, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen. Got a chance to see Ray Allen all the way from UConn or high school, so he always just shoot. Hey, Larry Bird, I, I man, the list goes on. I know. Stoyakovich, <laughs> Stoyakovich is a great shooter. Man, you, you had you had some great, great shooters, man. Clay Thompson, I might have mentioned him, but I I can't give you a list of five or ten because once again, a shooter is somebody when you put that ball in their hand and they get an open shot. And you know you messed up because they got an open shot. Like you, you know it. You know it. It's, it's, it's no recovery. And my high, my college coach used to say the best way to stop a good shooter from making shots is not let them catch the ball. So those are those type of players when you talk about shooters. Al, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because Eric is going to bust my chops. He's going to be into my kitchen about. Oh, Jonesy, I always say five, and you give me like 15, so I'm, I'm glad hey, you did. Hold on. I have, to, I have to cut you off for a second, Jonesy. I swear to you, I swear to you, I don't have proof, but I swear to you, as you just said that, I was already in my brain going, when we give our list at the top of next hour, I'm going to write go. down on the screen, I'm going to write down, I guarantee Jonesy will give more than five, and I was going to take a screenshot of it and Ow. send it to you guys. I swear to God, I was going to do that. Go Ow, ahead, Al. I, I, see, see, that's how it is, right? And I, I'm like you. I don't do numbers. I'm, I'm like one of those. I'm the same way. Like you, you hit a lot of cats on my list, and I'm older than you, and I'm going back to other guys that uh, it will be in my list of fifty, the top seventy-five for me. I mean, you look at a guy like back in the day. 
you look at a Bob McAdoo, when Bob caught the ball, it was going in. Like when those guys, Allen Houston, like when, when Allen Houston oh, caught the God. ball and you weren't near him, you were like, oh, shoot. Oh, please. Like you started playing yeah. that, the, the, you, as I call it out in the playground, you started playing that religious defense. Oh, God, don't let that go in. You know, that was, you know, oh, oh God, please let that miss, you know. And yeah. there are guys like that. Hey, Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk, oh, my God, I didn't even mention Dirk Nowitzki. See? I, I go back, you talk about old school Andrew Tony from Philadelphia. Yep. The Boston Strangler, like those, the mid-range and, like, uh, we Alex, go, Alex a, English. Hey, Alex hey, I got one for you. Downtown Freddie Brown from the Seattle Supersonics. There's a and, guy who woke Coach up in the morning shooting. He got out of bed, and he was, like, letting it fly. Coach Wilkins used to tell me about him as well, downtown Freddie Brown. So, And it, it's like a lot of things with shooting, right? It's the clutch shot. It's spacing the floor. Because you still got some of the players like Kyle Korver and J.J. Reddick. You got, you got a lot yep. of players. They may not get the opportunities that those other guys got, but you know when they're on the floor, you've got to pay attention to them. You can't leave them alone. Mark Price. Those guys oh. coming off the pick and rolls and Mahmoud, Raouf, like those. Oh my goodness! It's, it's hey, <laughs> hey man, I, I can give you shooters all day, but Steph Curry is still the best out of all of them. I tell you a funny story. A funny story. Remember Micah Norai? Uh huh. So he's the uh, Stoyakovich came was traded to us for a little bit, and Micah Norai said, "Yo, this is the best shooter in Toronto history." And Stoyakovich might have played one or two games. But in, in practice and shoot-around drills, he was killing it. He wouldn't even have to leave the lane because everything was going in if you were rebounded for him. And I told Del Curry, I told Del Curry that Micah said that uh, Stoyakovich was the best shooter in Toronto history. And Del Curry with his southern with southern accent, hey man, he gotta he gotta pass my son before he get to me. That's before Steph Curry was exactly who he was. Still young, he's like he gotta get past Steph Curry before he get to me. And I'm just wondering, I'm like, that's a shooting family right there. Steph Curry and his dad. And and his son, his other son, Steph. He can yeah. shoot. Yep. Yep. Well, thanks so. for making your list of five about 75 to the both of you. So I'll, I'll I'll hold my list until next hour, and I'll keep it to five. But I every single one of my names have already been mentioned. So um, it's it's well, listen, so you we can probably see. do an entire hour on shooters. Exactly. If If you can get to a list of 75, that's when you really tell – you know, the novices from the experts and the rookies. That's how you, you – you, you, anybody can name five in a, in a list. Give Thank you. Give me five shooters. Now we know what you're talking about. Thank you. No, but it's not, it's, not, it's not about can you list. It's about can you pare it down. Man, I could sit here and talk to you all day about basketball players and shooters and whatever else, but do you have the stones to pare it down and actually say who's better than one? Hey, Glenn on Rice. Glenn Rice. Glenn oh, Rice. God, Glenn Rice. Th- th- there you go. Glenn Rice, Dale, Dale Ellis, Dale Ellis. <laughs> we got we got to take a break, Al, or else, or else, or else, uh, Eric, Eric's, Eric's head's gonna explode here. So hey, well, I'll, listen, you, two two names, two names you guys didn't miss, mention. I could even throw it a third, perhaps as well. I don't think anybody mentioned Steve Kerr. I don't think anybody mentioned right? Steve Nash. Nobody mentioned Drazen Petrovic. Nobody mentioned Chris Mullen. So there's four names. No, Al mentioned Chris I Mullen. Said, I said Chris Mullen. I said Chris All Mullen. Right. I must have got lost in your other 30 names. Sorry, Al. Hey, hey, hey. Right. And, and, as, and as big men go, as bigger guys go, the rifleman, Chuck Person. 
Yes, yes. Oh, man. Hey, we can keep naming them. <laughs> All right, we we got to fly, Al. We got to fly. We'll uh, we'll maybe we'll get you back. Uh, I don't know. I was gonna say tomorrow, next week. Come come up with a list of thirty more for us for next week. Al. <laughs> call me call me in twenty minutes. I'm gonna have fifteen more. <laughs> All right, Al. All right, there is Alvin Williams. Alvin Williams Wednesdays. Uh, we're a little little bit late right now, but that's fine. We'll step aside. Uh, make sure, folks, you subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Download it, subscribe, rate, review, do it all.